The second reading is found in Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon us. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Hi everyone. Yeah, I'm Jason Hazel, if you don't know me. Uh, I'll be bringing you the sermon for today. And let us just open in the word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for the glorious weather we're having. Uh, Lord, we um, pray that you help us to um, have open hearts and, uh, and sincere hearts today as we look at your word. We pray this in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Now, most people at some stage will have heard of the story of Jonah um, and the whale. It's a very common story. I've got, I'm getting some nods here. Thank you very much. Um, but today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it than just a story about uh, an amusing story about a man who's in the belly of a, of a, of a big fish. Um, so we're going to break it into this morning into four scenes. Um, and we're going to look at the first scene um, today. And that first scene is where God speaks to Jonah. At this time, you see, uh, Israel was very prosperous. They, they still had a king. Um, they were doing really well. This was the time before uh, the Assyrian Empire conquered them. And it's before they got taken into exile into um, Babylon. So Israel is doing quite well at the moment. And God speaks to Jonah and he says to him, go to Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So it starts off with God and he's the first character which we're introduced to here in the story. And he's very active throughout it. And he's talking about Nineveh uh, which is the capital city of uh, Assyria, and it was a powerhouse empire. Um, it was a beginning to be a real threat to Israel. And God had heard about their wickedness. And God, who is holy on high, had heard about their wickedness, had come up to him. And we're beginning to see a bit of a word play here, and we'll, we'll get into that um, in, in a moment. And God tells Jonah to go out to Nineveh. And as a listener of the story, you would have expected that the prophet of God would have done just that. He would have, he's been told to go out by God. He would have just gone out. Um, even though he's been called to go out um, to uh, an enemy state, um, prophets have been asked to do a lot worse than this. You would have expected that he'd just go but Jonah does not leave for, for Nineveh, and this is the first twist, the first shock of the story. Instead, he runs away from God. He goes down to Joppa to get into a ship for Tarshish. Um, and this is when we're starting to hear a bit of a wordplay happening. Um, he goes, um, the point is, is that God is on high, he's holy, is that right? Um, and you ascend towards holiness and to God. And you descend away from him. So you see, Jonah is going away from God. He goes down to, to Joppa and is descending into disobedience. And another shock is how he actually treats God. You see, God tells him what to do, and he doesn't do it. But it's how he doesn't do it. He doesn't talk to God. He doesn't argue. He doesn't plead with God. He doesn't state his case. He just turns away and walks away in the opposite direction. Complete disregard, absolute disrespect for God. And this is from a prophet of God, no less. After paying the fee, he underfair. He boards, um, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. You see, he chose a ship that was going in the absolute opposite direction. 
and he pays to actually do that. It shows that he's very committed in his disobedience. He's very committed in going. And Jonah's intent, his purpose, is to flee the presence of God. See, at this time, um, uh, people believe that gods were very regional, that um, and all the different little gods that they had. So if you were in one town and you moved to another, you would actually then stop worshipping that god because it stayed in your town and you'd go and worship another god. But Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. He was fleeing the, uh, the God Almighty who made the heaven and the earth. So how does this actually work out for him? And this leads us into the second scene, which is the storm. Jonah is on a ship headed to Tarshish with a group of sailors and the great storm descends on them. Jonah went to a lot of trouble to flee the presence of the Lord. He paid money to go, and he's heading in the absolutely opposite direction. But then God is right there, making his presence known in the form of a menacing storm. Now, it's, it's actually very, very comical, and this is how the story is actually being told. Um, it's very comical when you know you, um, you watch a TV show or a movie, and somebody's going to extreme length to actually try to achieve something. You know, there's all these scenes about them trying to do something, and then the very next scene, you see that it doesn't work. It was all for nothing. It was just for folly. Um, we're beginning to see the satire of the account of Jonah here. Satire is when um, there's comedic exaggeration um, used to reveal the ignorance or the folly of people and, and what they believe. Uh, you could think of um, movies like This is Spinal Tap. Have I got any nods on? No. No, no I only got one nod. This, this is Spinal Tap. It's a satire uh, movie from the 1984s where they reveal the absurdity of the music industry. Um, I heard that some people in, from the music industry actually sat in the premiere and they didn't think it was so funny because, you know, um, it was making fun of them. Um, or you can think of movies like um, Zoolander. If people see, okay, I'm getting a few more nods there. Um, a satire that reveals the absurdity of what? The male model industry. Um, so satire uses um, exaggerated comedic characters and situations to reveal the absurdity of, you know, that of an industry or a people or situations or a belief. We're beginning to see that Jonah's actions are being recounted here as satire. He's being made fun of to reveal the absurdity of how he's, how he's acting, the absurdity of how he's treating God. Now we come back to the storm. God is revealing his presence in a powerful way um, and he's bringing a menacing storm um, towards them, to those on the ship. So how does everyone respond to, now, to God? Up to now we've just had um, God and Jonah in the story and now we've got the introduction of the third character and it's a group, um, the sailors. The sailors... These are men of the sea, 
How do they respond to God? All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. See, the sailors are used to the sea. They're used to wind, they're used to storms, but they knew that today was different. They knew that, uh, that this storm was unnatural. And they're afraid that they're going to capsize and drown. So they take action. They call out to their gods. And they throw their cargo into the sea, which obviously is the last-ditch uh, effort by desperate men. These sailors, they did not know that it was the one true God who was behind the storm. But they were responding correctly to God. They were afraid of him. Now, compared to the sailors, how does Jonah respond to the powerful, undeniable presence of God? Is Jonah afraid? Well, no. Is he called to action? No. Does he realize his, his folly in fleeing? No. Is he moved to repentance? Well, no, again. Does he call out to God? No. Then what does he do? But Jonah had gone down below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. So instead, Jonah goes down into the, into the, um, to the ship, down to sleep, and not just to sleep, into a deep sleep. Can you see the, the transition here, again with the wordplay, how he's going deeper and down away from God in his, um, uh, uh, in his disobedience? He doubles down. He doubles down like a, um, a, a, a pathetic person in, in, in Vegas who's lost their money and doesn't realize they're on, on a bad streak. He's going down, down, into the deck, down to sleep, deep sleep, to descend away from God, descend into disobedience. Jonah has no fear. He's taken no action. He's not turning to his God. He's completely defiant. And his response to God, compared to the sailors, is completely different, isn't it? You see, the sailors are, this is another literary device, um, they're the foils to, uh, to Jonah. Their actions and they're, uh, are there to demonstrate how bad his actions are. Their reactions to God and the storm is to show just how ridiculous and absurd his reactions to the storm and to God is. See, the sailors, they're um, people who don't know God, but they're responding to God better than the man who actually does know God. And we're beginning to think, well, what's going on here? Let's move on to the third scene. The scene uh, which is the sailors and Jonah have a bit of a chat. They talk. The sailors are still afraid, and the captain goes to Jonah and says, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God, again revealing the ridiculous and the ludicrous way that Jonah is actually acting. The sailors are convinced, and co correctly convinced, that this is an unnatural storm. And they assume that someone among them has angered a God. So they cast lots to find out who it was, 
and it falls on, on Jonah. Um, so they start peppering him with questions to find out what's he done to, to God and why is this happening to him and to them. And the answer they get from Jonah is absolutely terrifying. So Jonah says, he answers them, verse 9, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So Jonah is saying that he, as a Hebrew, he worships the one true God, the one who made the sea and the dry land, the one who's the Lord of heaven and earth. But Jonah's actions and his response to God do not match up with what he actually states about God. His words and his actions don't match. So we now know, and we're now getting the sense, that we're in the presence of a character who is incredibly and laughably deluded. Uh, he's a hypocrite. His actions don't align with what he actually believes. We know it, but he doesn't. Every word out of Jonah's mouth condemns him, um, but he doesn't realize it. So how do the sailors respond? Verse 10. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Because they knew that he was running away from God. They are terrified. They, they were afraid before. Now they're terrified. They are terrified because they now realize that they are in the presence of the one true God. He's the one behind the storm. They are terrified also because they realize that they are on the same ship as the one who has angered this same God. They were afraid of the storm. Now they are absolutely terrified. Their fear has increased. And their fear has been increasing as Jonah's um, uh, uh, has been increasingly disobedient to God, as they get more fearful of God, which is the right response for the one true God. He's getting more and more disobedient. Now we come to this final scene, which is the sacrifice. You see, the, the storm is getting worse and the sailors need to act. And they turn to Jonah and say, what should we do? And he says, to throw him overboard. Verse 12, look at this. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it, it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this storm is upon us. Jonah is understanding that the storm is caused by God. He understands that it's because of his dis disobedience. He, he's not that delusional. Um, but he's not repenting. He's not crying out to, to God. He's doubling down. He's still disobedient. He's asking to be thrown over down deep into the sea, down to his death. Um, he's still trying to flee from God. He's thinking that in death he'll be um, rid of the presence of God. And he would rather die than be obedient to God. 
So, and it also appears that Jonah is saying that God will be happy with this sacrifice, that it will appease him and stop the storm. But God never asked for a sacrifice from him, of, of his, of, and particularly of this nature. He wants obedience. He, he just gave him a simple task to do, but Jonah is not doing that. He's disobeying God. And Jonah, how, what type of regard does he have for the sailors? Well, he's got no regard for them whatsoever. He's trying to actually implicate them in a murder. He's, asking, he's not saying, oh, look, I'm going to jump over. He's telling them to throw him over. And he has got no concerns for them whatsoever of the uh, implication, the consequences that this could have for the sailors. So what do the sailors do? See, the listeners of the story would expect that the sailors, who, who don't know God, who have got the storm before them, somebody has, they've worked out who it was, and the person responsible has said, look, throw me overboard, that they would do exactly that, that they would throw him overboard, and it would all be good then. But the story takes another twist. See, instead, they actually try to row back to land. The sailors are more worried about Jonah than he is actually worried about them. The, the sailors are also worried about what God would do to them. They fear God. They cry out to God not to hold them responsible. Again, the sailors' actions here, particularly how they, they uh, respond to God, reveals how poorly that Jonah is actually responding to God. They are afraid of God, but Jonah is not. They cry out to God, but Jonah does not. Now the sailors are now truly at their wit's end. They have no other options. The storm has grown stronger. This is the second time um, that since they dumped the cargo, which they were at the wit's end, this is the second time that it's increased um, in um, intensity, the storm. And so they relent. They throw um, him into the sea. Look at verse um, 15. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered the sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah got his wish. He has successfully convinced the sailors to throw him overboard to his death, a final act of defiance. And then the storm calms. And the sailors, their fear had again grown in intensity. Their fear has turned from a fear of, of God as in a, a concern about their well-being, about what he's going to do to them, and has turned into a fear of reverence. That's the same word in the Hebrew here. Um, they're, they're now revering him, for they now offer sacrifices and vows to him. The story has been building in intensity to this moment. This, uh, the, the storm has been building. Jonah's Defiance has been building, 
and the sailors' fear of God has been building in intensity. And now God acts. And his actions calm down everything. He calms the sea, and in verse 17, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So the story starts with God, and now this part of the, of the story, chapter 1, finishes with God. Although Jonah has been defiant beyond measure, God sends a fish to actually save him from the deep waters, to save him from death. And Jonah's defiance is beyond measure, but God's patience is beyond measure. God, we see here, is a kind God and compassionate God, both to Jonah and to the sailors. So what does this all, all mean? Well, you see, this is a, a story which God has for the Israelites. Because he's saying to them that they are like Jonah. Their actions, their lives don't match up with the stated belief. They say one thing and act another. They're hypocrites. They are making a mockery of themselves and of God. And But what, then what happened to the Israelites after this? Um, the Israelites paid the price of their hypocrisy when God allowed them to be defeated by the Assyrians and taken into exile by the Babylonians. But did the Israel, Israelites, did they learn from their hypocrisy? Well, no. Centuries later, when Jesus meets the religious people of his day, a group called the, the Pharisees, um, he finds them doing the exactly same thing. He finds that their words don't match up to their, their actions. And Jesus just straight out calls them hypocrites. Um, so what should we take away from this chapter? It's a warning to you. If you profess to be a believer of God, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you too cannot be like Jonah and the Israelites. We cannot fall into the trap of hypocrisy. While our, but we all do, don't we, at times? But our, our hypocrisy is not usually obvious or exaggerated like the account of Jonah. We um, too, though, need to continually prayerfully consider that the things that we say, the things that we do, the things we even think, do they align with the faith that we profess? Does it turn people to God or does it turn people away from God? Does it bring glory to God or does it bring a mockery to God? I know of so many people who have been turned away from God because of his people, because of their um, hypocrisy. Do the things that we spend our time on, the money and energy on, the things that we, um, does that bring mockery to our faith and to God? Now, look, we slip up, um, and Jesus doesn't want us to pretend that we're always doing the right thing. He's there for us. We can turn to him and ask for forgiveness. And we shouldn't be surprised, too, that we mess up, that other Christians are going to mess up. And we must be patient with them as well. But we cannot be content in 
um, living a life of hypocrisy. We need to continually check ourselves and allow others, we need to be humble to allow others to actually check us as well. Because the aim for us is to live sincere lives, bringing glory and honour to God. So at the end of this chapter, we're now left wondering what's going to happen to Jonah? Uh, Will he repent? Uh, Is he going to go to Nineveh? What's going to happen to the people of Nineveh? And really, how big was that fish? Well, we're going to hear about this next week from a fisherman himself. We're going to hear it from Bob. Um, So please come back next week to hear uh, about that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We pray that it will convict us of how we live our lives. Lord, we pray that you'll continually to convict us of how we um, at times are just like Jonah, saying one thing but doing the absolutely opposite thing and bringing a mockery to you, Lord. And we pray that you will help us to turn back to you and to live lives honouring you. We pray this in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.